Three, two, one. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the 100 Things Podcast with me, Todd Duncan. And me, Sebastian Terry. The 100 Things Podcast. Oh, your list yeah. Okay, so today, today, we were going to go off the, the beaten path ever so slightly and not talk about one of your list items, but instead... Talk about the the TV series you got to film based on a hundred things, um, mm. but then I realized putting putting the the sheet together that you actually get to tick off one of your list items filming the show, which yeah. was number sixty nine, Mustard Cattle. So I have two questions uh, to to dig into you straight away. So number one would be why did Mustard Cattle make it onto your list, and then the second question mm-hmm. is how did the TV series come about. Oh. Question one for me, please. What questions? Okay, Toddy. Uh, so, cut, uh, <laughs> muster cattle or go on a cattle drove or a cattle drive mm. uh, was, I think it was actually inspired by this movie that I watched when I was a kid called City Slickers. And I think Billy Crystal's in there and it's about these like city guys who go out and they, uh, for kind of like a weekend adventure to take muster cattle from one point take him to point B along the way. Curly, I think this, the cowboy who's helping him dies. It's a big adventure. Oh. And they, they form a bond with the animals and they take it upon themselves not to stop, but to actually finish the job even on behalf of Curly. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, I love that. Don't know how to ride a horse. I have no idea about cowboys uh, or the way of life they have. That's it. I want to, I want to do that. Um, and wear a cowboy hat. And then, so that was why. And then the TV show that you mentioned, this reality show, it's hilarious because no one knows that, that I did it. Um, mm. it's, you know, it's like, it's actually, I never really think about it, but looking back upon what happened, it's epic. It like it's 26 yeah. episodes, each episode, helping someone achieve a meaningful goal on their list. It's my show. I'm the host. No one knows. It's, it's, it's yeah. so funny. How did it come about? Um, I was giving a talk in LA, uh, to this really cool crowd. The event's called Patow, P-T-T-O-W. And there's a lot of movers and shakers in the room, all these high, like all the leading brands and all the industries. And it's all their C-level staff or founders Mm -hmm. or CEOs. And yeah, this guy who worked for a production company called uh, Defy Media, uh, his name is Keith, came up to me afterwards after I got off the stage and he was like, hey, uh, would you like to do a a TV show about, you know, something to do with a hundred things? And I, of course, was like, absolutely. Yeah, would love to. And he said, uh, what would it be about, do you think? And I was kind of getting to this point where I was helping a lot of people achieve things from their list. And I, and I, and I love that. And I said, yeah. well, I, it'd be great if we could help people achieve goals. He said, okay, let's do that. So I, but I was living in Australia. So I flew back to Australia, you know, the day after. Mm-hmm. and forgot about it. Just, I don't know, just like forgot about it. Didn't really think it was serious. And a year later, same event pops up and I get invited to speak again. So I fly back and I give a talk and I get off the stage and Keith comes up and he's like, what happened here? And I said, I, I don't know. I didn't think you were like that serious. He's like, yeah, we want to make a show. And so we basically signed to do a show. And, and that was how it came about. It just fell on my lap. Like everything has. It's amazing. Wow. So, th- so this, this gent didn't even have the idea of what he wanted the show to be about. He just liked you on stage and was like, yeah, let's do something. Yeah. Yes, essentially. Yeah. I guess um, the concept itself was he, you know, I'm very fortunate with 100 Things. And we now are very fortunate with 100 Things. And you've seen this that a lot of people want to get involved somehow. It, you know, it strikes a chord. And so whether it's someone just wanting to start a list or whether it's an a organization wanting to, you know, somehow collaborate or whatever, there's all these opportunities all the time. And so 
it's kind of like, I, I say this a lot, but you know, when you, you know, if you throw 20 tennis balls in the air, you try and catch, you know, you're not going to catch any. Yeah. And it's the same, but if you catch, if you throw one up, you'll catch it. It's the same with a hundred things. There's all this opportunity. And I just sort of kind of <laughs> fumble around and yeah. miss things or whatever, but it just popped up. Yeah. So I was very fortunate. He loved the concept. I guess he liked me speaking on stage and yeah. Who doesn't like the idea of helping people achieve you know, goal. So, so that was it. So we just had, I mean, the whole, because pro- a lot of people out there who want to start TV shows and have their own show. And so the pro- thankfully for me, it just sort of worked out, but the whole process was fascinating. So, so firstly, I reckon I could catch three tennis balls if you threw 20 in the air. Um, three? Just, just for the record. Yeah. Uh, good. Um, and so, so, so when the second time around, he comes up to you and is like, no, I was serious. How yeah. quick does the, does the process go from there? So, uh, yeah. So from that point, I, th- I think we had a meeting in LA before I flew back home again and then it was back and forth. And then they very quickly sent me again, I was given, uh, I was given a lot of flexibility. Like, you know, what is it? What does an episode look like for you? And I mm-hmm. thought, well, we meet the person, we find out what their goal is. We find out why it's important to them. And then we try and connect them with, with strangers to help. Um, now I'll talk about this a little later. The actual show ended up being slightly different to that, which was again, yeah. very interesting, a lot of learnings in that. I learned so much from this process. Um, but yeah, I went home to Australia, emailing back and forth. They sent me a contract. I had no idea, no idea. So I was like, right, I need to get an entertainment lawyer. So I Googled entertainment lawyers, found one in Australia, sent them the contract. Cause there's also, I mean, this is another funny thing that I don't never really talk about, but you know, there's quite a bit of money here as well. It's, it's, mm at stake. I don't know if it's at stake, but you know, they send something over and I'm like, you're kidding me. I would do this for free. I would pay to do this. Cause it's so, yeah. and I send it to the entertainment lawyers and they're like, yeah, you can get a bit more here. We think you should get a bit more, you know, but it's your idea. It's your intellectual, pro- you know, all this kind of stuff. And then it's all about, you know, again, this is a big learning process. It's well, if it's my intellectual property, how do I safeguard that? How do I make sure that it's not taken by them and who owns the shows, who owns the episode, all, all this conversation. Yeah which I just let them all do. And then they did a really good job and they, you know, managed to kind of broker a really great deal for me. Because I, I, I was also very fortunate. I'm not a TV host. It was a first time for me. It was a complete risk um, on their behalf, really, to put money and all this sort of stuff behind just a concept and seeing a guy speak on stage. And it all worked out, by the way. But yeah, so yeah. That, that was kind of the process. To answer your question, I don't really remember how long it took, but I want to say everything was signed, sealed and delivered within six months. And I, 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 I sort of think around that point, I flew to Hawaii to film the first episode. So wow. Funny. Yeah. Okay. Did, did, just, did it feel weird kind of pushing back to be like, because I, I think me personally, if someone came up and was like, Hey, want to make you a star of a show. Yeah. Uh, and then, cause obviously the right thing to do, go and get professional advice. And then they're like, ah, you can get more. And you know, mate, was it kind of a, a strange conversation for you to be in that position yeah. to be like, Hey guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Completely. Cause I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm, I'm a pleaser. I, I hate resistance. I hate, I don't, you know, money's never been a thing that I care about. And then suddenly for it to be such a point of interest, certainly on behalf, you know, the entertainment lawyers made it that way. Um, yeah, it was weird. And I, you know, I kept saying, let's just, let's not ruin this. I, I just want to do it. So, you know, just between you and I, I'm happy to do it for whatever they've said now. Uh, yeah. So it is a funny, it is a bit, it, it is pretty interesting. Um, so then when that's all sorted, then it becomes more of a creative pursuit. Okay. Uh, this is what we've discussed. What's going to happen. What are the episodes? Who are we going to help? Where are we going to film this? Hmm. Um, 
And it, again, I'll keep saying it, a big learning process. You know, I, I was very involved, which was great. But then as the show kind of pushed on, I, I realized I actually wasn't that in control at all. Um, and right. it you know, got taken in a slightly different direction, which wasn't awful. Um, but it was just interesting to note, at least. Yeah. So, so before we get into the first, I mean, what a location for the first episode, Hawaii. But just before we get there. Did, did, were all the episodes planned before the first episode was shot? Did you know, like, these are the 26 things we're doing and these are the 26 people we're helping? Or was it very much an ongoing, like, hey, we'll, we'll scramble this together and then we'll look for someone? Yeah. Well, they, so I think the majority were planned. So 26 episodes, right. i.e. we needed 26 people with cool goals, which, because kind of, <laughs> what I was told very on is, because it's kind of like a kind show in, in a sense. You yeah. Someone. And, you know, the, 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 production company would say, well, we, um, we, kindness doesn't really sell. It doesn't really sell. It's right. quite boring and like mundane and, you know, it's lovely. It doesn't take away from that, but it doesn't sell. It's not exciting to watch on TV. So we kind of brainstormed how we would do that, etc. Um, but yeah, we had everyone kind of pretty much everyone done. There was a whole team behind this, you know, after, you know, it was all signed, uh, you know, I didn't really speak to Keith much. There was a matter of speaking to this, you know, the, the producers, Directors, I think they're called producers. Uh, you know, there was Jared and Chris, both really lovely guys. And then there was like a showrunner, and then there were people doing the casting. And then there was, yeah, they, so they, they casted it basically. So they were looking full time mm-hmm. for the right people to choose. Um, and then with a hundred, yeah, they, yeah. So that, that's how it kind of kind of worked. Um, it was very very pre planned, and it, and ultimately to the point where I I well, hundred things is very organic. And even like the specificity of each episode and how it would work became like a, a thing where I, I kind of wanted it slightly different in honesty, uh, even though it worked well, but yeah. Yeah. So what was it that you were looking for those episodes to be more like then? Cause I, I'm assuming again, I know nothing about TV, but I'm assuming they just have to make sure there's, do they refer to it as a story arc that there's yeah. kind of a, a, that beginning, middle and end type of to each episode. Yeah, well, essentially, you know, you think about an episode with whoever it is we're helping, you want them to be good on camera, which is, isn't always mm-hmm. possible with someone who just needs help. You want the episode to be exciting and enticing. So whenever we get to the, you know, this uh, the crescendo of action, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Whether that's emotionally evocative or whether it's someone jumping out of a plane, you want, yeah, you want to take them through that story arc with a really beautiful touch at the end. So yeah. e- each episode <clears throat> essentially was that. Um, you know, we, we meet the person, we find out why it is there, it's important to them. We would then do the, the reveal or the surprise. Well, mm-hmm. we now know you want to do this. Therefore, we've organized this for you. Now, this is kind of where the, the creative was slightly different for, for me. I, mm-hmm. So whenever I help people with 100 things, because I've been helping people for ages before it was getting filmed, I would say, um, okay, what's an example? We helped a guy surf. That was the first episode. Mm-hmm. So instead of... Uh, pre-planning it, I would say to my community, hey, there's a guy here, he's a war veteran and he's afraid of water. Um, he wants to surf, who can help him? And then all these people would just beautifully sprout out of the earth and go, hey, we will help him. And then yeah. I would connect them and then these people would just go and do it. But for the show, and I get it, but from a production point of view, it's too risky to say, well, you know, let's organically do it. There's a, there's a timeline, there's a budget, there's mm-hmm. people, you know. So we had to go and find a surf instructor and then for the first episode, it worked. If you were to watch the episode, I walk down the beach and I'm like, oh, big wave Dave, how are you? Yeah. My friend here wants to learn how to surf. So it was a bit pre-produced like that, yeah. if that makes sense. So it wasn't quite 
it, it wasn't quite ideal and it, certainly not in the, in the way that things had organically panned out. And, and that was, you know, it, it still worked out and I completely understand why it has to be like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was the difference. It's also interesting as well, isn't it? Because they're like 10 minute episodes because it was being produced for, am I right? This, this online platform go 90, which is, I, I guess like a, a Netflix YouTube style platform that was meant to be mobile device heavy and, and all that stuff. So it was quite unique in the fact it was only going to be 10 minutes to 12 minutes each episode. So you had to get that action like jam packed and on point. So I guess that must be a motivating factor for them to be like, yeah, this is all, this is all in hand. Seb, just walk down and <laughs> pretend to meet your mate. Will you? Yeah, it was great. I mean, mate, the, it, you, you're right. So yeah, it was on Go90. The hilarious thing about all of this, my God. So we, we filmed in like, I can't remember what it was, maybe a two month swing, if that's the word that we'd go. We filmed all through the US okay. and through Europe as well. So I came out to Hawaii and then a little bit of the US, flew back home, came back out to the US to do mainland US, flew home, then flew out to Europe. Um, over, I think it was three different time slots over probably a six month period. And after all of this sort of stuff, and there's obviously a lot of money going into the production of the show. There's a full team of five or six people traveling with us everywhere. Um, it goes on to go 90 and starts getting um, streamed or distributed or shown. And, uh, and then go 90 gets acquired by somebody else and everything on go 90, which by the way, mm -hmm. go 90 had put one, apparently $1 billion. Does that make sense? I think it's, yeah. Yeah, would, yeah, wouldn't surprise me. I think I'm pretty sure it was a billion dollars. It might not be, but a big number. I'm sure it was a billion into the creation of Go90, the platform, the marketing, the this, the this, and this. It got bought out, and so it disappeared. So everything on there never got seen. So you know these episodes that we had worked so hard on never got seen by anyone. And by the way, I didn't care. I just had so much fun doing it. Um, but that, yeah, so no one's really seen it. Hence people like, Oh, have you got a TV show? Well, I do. Yeah. Oh, we'd love to see it. Uh, yeah. you know, unless well, you do our YouTube channel. Yeah. Unless you now go to our YouTube channel because we, we are lucky enough to have those episodes, um, and are now putting them up. But yeah, so, so go 90 got brought by the media giant Viacom. And as you say, they, they just swallowed up all its content. Didn't considering Viacom, I think owns comedy central and MTV and all these all these outlets that it could have just repackaged the content for and put it out. Not just your show, but you know, there, there was hundreds of TV shows associated with Go90. And I think all of them just got put on the shelf. Done. Yeah. Insane. Okay. So, so first episode, what a place to start. It's not this, this episode isn't up on our YouTube channel yet, but uh, uh, what a place to start in Hawaii. Mate, uh, let me tell you a funny. So that first episode, helping this guy, uh, war veteran, afraid of water, had a surf teaching how to surf uh thanks to big wave dave my best mate who i've never met yeah. and um here's a here's a here's a funny little thing about this so i'm excited obviously i'm going to film my show i've got my visas all organized and blah blah and i'm on the way to the airport and i stop in to see a friend and her dog bite, bites my one of my thongs or flip-flops for the americans my footwear and breaks it. So on the way to the airport, I suddenly don't have any shoes or footwear. Yeah, okay. And and I say this just because I, for those of you who don't know, I guess I've I've I'm for some bizarre reason known for not wearing shoes ever. Mm -hmm. Now I've started a little bit now, but there was a two and a half period in my life where I didn't wear any shoes. It didn't matter where I was, snow, wherever. Anyway, so it all started because of this. I didn't really wear shoes because I lived on the beaches back then. But uh, anyway, I'm suddenly on the way to the airport, no footwear, and I go, oh, I wonder how far I can get. 
turns out I got quite a, a fair way. I got to Hawaii, went through the airport, blah, 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 went to the lounge. No one stopped me. Got on the plane. No one stopped me. Air steward on the way, air flight attendant on the way over <laughs> approaches me and he's like, so we need you to put your shoes on on the plane. And I said, I don't have any. And I didn't. And he said, well, you're not allowed to fly. And, but we were halfway to Hawaii in the air. And I thought, well, you don't, you don't have much leverage in this conversation. Yeah. But yeah, and so I turned up on day one, met the crew, which in itself was phenomenal. I remember we were on the beachfront, Honolulu at Waikiki and uh, looking down on the beach and I meet Jared and Chris and this lovely girl, Marissa and um, uh, Patty, Patrick, and then another guy. Anyway, so there's five of us and Danny, his name was, he was amazing. And I'm meeting them and they're all there to meet me and they're meeting me for the first time, complete unknown. And then Jared says, where are your shoes? I say, well, actually I don't have any. I go, is that okay? I don't really wear shoes anyway. And he's like, well, if we start filming tomorrow's episode without shoes, uh, you're just going to have to not wear shoes ever uh, for the shows. And I went, fine. So that was that. So for the next two and a half years of my life, I never wore shoes. Just a little tip of information. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well it, that's really interesting because I've watched a number of the episodes now, not just the seven that we've put up, but I've, I've been watching a few and they they go on to make a bit of a point about the fact that, you know, they, they constantly get someone to be like, oh, Where's your shoes? Hey, you. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It was a bit. It was a bit cheesy. I did it because I never wore shoes anyway. But yeah. two and a half years later, way after the show, I remember being now based in LA, and uh, people were like, "Oh, you're the guy who doesn't wear shoes," and it became a thing. And I didn't like that it was a thing. Mm. And uh, and I was like, I just want to wear a pair of thongs again. And yeah. walked out of my place, went to somewhere, some dinner party or something, and people were disappointed. Oh, where you're wearing stuff on your feet. And I'll be like, I'm allowed to. So anyway, um, that was, uh, it was hard to shake. I still get it. I still get that, by the way. People, and the story gets exaggerated too. There's one friend, whenever he introduced me to someone, he goes, this guy, Seb, he hasn't worn shoes in 15 years. And that's, that's not true. <laughs> I let him tell the story. But yeah. Where are some right now? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the seven episodes we've got up on YouTube at the moment are Dance at the Moulin Rouge, Learning the Trapeze, Stunt Driving, Muster Cattle, which we'll, we'll talk about any second because that was number 69 in your list. Yep. Perform Opera Live, oh, yeah. Face a Professional Fastball in Baseball, yeah. and Learn to Ski uh, as an Amputee. Um, so let's go to your list item first and then we'll, then we'll talk about a couple of the others. Muster Cattle, do you remember where in the order of filming it that was? Um, I, I actually think that was... I have a feeling that was in the second period that I flew over to the US and we, we flew to, uh, uh, I think it was New Mexico, some, some remote proper, what, what would you call it? Like a, um, like a ranch. Um, yeah. There was Cowboy Craig was like the, the guy who would, there'd always be an, an expert in, in, in the episode. To yeah. Take us through, right. So I'd go, Oh, hi, Cow Cowboy Craig. Uh, this is Lou. The guy's name was Lou. Uh, his goal is to be, he wanted to be a cowboy. He wanted to be a cowboy. Uh, he always had. And so we kind of shared that, you know, it was on my list too. So I said, this is Lou. He wants to be a cowboy. And he'd be like, okay, great. So what we're going to do is we're going to learn to lasso. I'm going to take you to the horses. We're going to learn how to ride horses. I'm going to get you comfortable in there. I'm going to tell you how to communicate with it. Cause he had all these like heads of, you know, cattle out in the, and, at the, and again, just to paint a picture, middle of nowhere, distant yeah. mountains, proper arid desert essentially well it's not desert but it you know just yeah bad. yeah and he's got yeah he's got these cattle and he's like well i need to get all of these and he points to like a hundred head of cattle i need to get all of those guys down to the end of the valley 
and I need them to go through a small wooden gate, which I've made to put them in a pen. And that was our task. So basically for the day, he taught us how to ride a horse, how to lasso, should we need to do that, all that kind of stuff. And then we'd go for it. I, it was amazing. It, and again, like just speaking to the notion of I've never done, I've never hosted a show. Um, yeah. And I, I, it was just so funny. Even quickly going back to like Hawaii, land in Hawaii, no shoes, meet the crew, day one's the next day. I'm getting treated like a superstar, like first class flights to Hawaii, some penthouse uh, hotel room, ridiculous. Uh, in Hawaii, they also have uh, uh, toilets with the little things that come out and squirt water up. Um, oh. That is kind of the, the status. That's wow. what I'm here. Um, and, you, and you've never looked back since, have you? I've never I, looked back. I, I, I've never gone to, bathroom, to the bathroom so many times. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, and you know, the next day, day one, cameras everywhere, mic'd up, and they're like, go. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Uh, hi, I'm here in Hawaii. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's really, I mean, it's great. And I, I loved it too, obviously. Um, but yeah, so fast forwarding to, yeah, uh, Lou back on the cowboy ranch. And yeah, we, it was just a phenomenal day. So I got two questions on that. I've got um, so my first one was going to be how how much filming goes in to get that ten or twelve minutes. So as you say, like Craig Lawson was the 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 expert on uh, the cowboy one, Master Cattle. Did you literally spend the entire day as he was just being a, a a nice guy showing you everything, or was it heavily directed? Like we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this action, and yeah. and then secondly in that after as you say like no experience really hosting tv shows uh how how much input did the crew start to give you to be like okay seb now do this and or was it just kind of this is the premise off you go no it, uh, yeah right so it was a whole day of filming that's kind of just what it worked out to be on every episode mm-hmm. a whole day early 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 start late finish um you know as a uh, it was also very so cowboy craig you know he would have a chat with jared and chris and be like, this is, what I, this is what I can do. And they'd say, right, we want this, followed by this, followed by this, followed by this. Right. In that process, we obviously got to learn a few things, riding horses and what have you. But it was very um, specific. It wasn't just free-flowing. And then he wouldn't go, okay, what's next? He would know that it's, you know, it's time to you know, shine your cowboy boots or whatever the thing was. Um, so that made it like a little bit pre-produced again. But I you know, understand that's what's needed. Yeah. Um, but the crew would be following the whole time. Uh, and then it, outside of just filming the experience, the way that the show was edited, there would be cut. If you're watching the show now, there'd be cuts to me speaking to camera. So, you know, there'd be us doing a lasso thing yeah. and then it would cut to me typical reality style. And I'd be like, so Craig showed us how to do the lassoing and I was nervous, but Lou's pretty good. And then it would snap back to Lou lassoing a cow. Yeah. So again, like I, I don't know if I loved doing that stuff. It would just, I felt a little cheesy doing that all the time. Um, but that's, you know, I, I, I just don't like reality TV. I mean, I don't even watch TV, but I, you know, it was, it was just interesting doing that. Uh, and then, yeah, like you say, the crew would give feedback, J- Jared particularly. Uh, it turns out I'm all right. I, I'm pretty, you know, mm. I think all right at it. Uh, but he would come up and say, okay, this time, you know, we, we do a lot of takes on different things and, uh, but he kind of generally like they like the Australian, as you say, no shoe wearing, you know, larrikin, as we would say back home. So it was, okay. it was a little bit of that. It was a little bit of that. So there was definitely flexibility, but there was also structure. Oh, cool, cool. So, so on this episode, one of my favourite bits is uh, Lou's as Craig introduces you to your two horses. Oh, yeah. 
and uh, <laughs> he goes to back lose horse out from what a bit of wood that it's tied around, whatever the technical term is for that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, a tree that's been cut down and made into a fence. But yeah, um, the horse does no want anything to do with it, <laughs> and and kicks off. <laughs> now it gets shown on camera. But how much were you and Lou then like, wow, I do not want to be involved with these animals. Yeah, well, these horses are huge. <laughs> Mine was huge. I, mine was called Hawk. Yeah. And yeah, as Lou went to get his, it kind of, like you say, it sat down, it reared up and then sat down on the ground and started making all these noises. <laughs> Me and Lou, Lou was great. We looked at each other. We're petrified. Petrified. Because it's actually, you know, it's real. You're riding a big old horse and you're riding them eventually to try and steer cattle and you're like yelling at these animals that are looking at you yeah no it's mm -hmm. it, it's um you know for, for all that could be said about it being pre-produced and planned you're very much in the moment still for any of these episodes where it's flamenco yeah. dancing in spain or you know moulin rouge in paris is uh, you know one of the episodes you mentioned yeah yeah, yeah it's all very real still uh yeah and am, am i right in thinking that uh when you actually got out on the range to muster these cattle that uh a mistake happened in the, in the cattling, whatever you call it, the driving yep. of the cattle, and they all dispersed. and And Craig was like, "That's it, we're done." Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. had you had you had to talk him back into getting yeah. the final shot. Yeah, it's, it's always time to like you know that suddenly like the producers and like the sound people they're all on the horses too. So on these horses, for those people who don't know, you kind of have to like you're, you're mustering the cattle. So you're going around, you're trying to influence them to go in the direction of the pen that we're trying to put them in on the at the far side of the valley it takes a long time and you know you're going whoop, you know talking to these things and even that's like weird and awkward but you get into it and then so yeah we get all the way to the pen and then something happens and all these cattle just go berserk and just run off in different directions we can't do anything and craig's like yeah that's it unfortunate we can't do this and then so jared's like, and i'm disappointed and so is lou because yeah. we're into this emotionally we really want to do it jared being the producer is like well hang on we need this, otherwise it's going to be an awfully boring episode. <laughs> but but I, just, I was like, come on, Craig, like we, let's just go grab him. And he was like, oh, all right. So we ended up getting him. Yeah. It took a while and we got him back to the thing. And then eventually we got them right to the gate and there was this big long horn. Oh, I'm going to sound so silly here. What are those? Just a lot. Some big animal with massive horns. A steer. Are they called steers? No, it could be a steer. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you think of like uh the Oklahoma college uh, high school uh, football team. There's like, I think like the emblem might be a lot. Oh, I think that's, yeah, that's the Texas Longhorns. Yeah. Great. It was a Texas Longhorn. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was blocking the gate for all these cows to go in. And um, eventually it moved and they all went in. And yeah, like the, you know, the sense of success and like that magic was, it was really there for, for Lou and I. Um, but then like, you've got the other, I mean, I could talk for so long about this. So you've got the other side of it, which is the, the real authentic, you know, um, reason why we're there to help people. Yeah. You've got the business side of it, which is you need an episode that looks good. So just a quick one. We did another episode in Hawaii and this girl had lost, unfortunately lost her grandfather. And for some reason there was like a connection between her and, and him via, a t by, via turtles. Whenever she right. saw a turtle, it reminded him of, or it reminded her of him and there was, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So the episode was, we were going to take her diving with turtles. So we get out to like, mm -hmm. we're in Waikiki again. We uh, get on this 
giant catamaran, which I wanted to try and find organically. I actually, to prove a point, because they, they organized it. They were like, right, we've got this catamaran. We're going to jump on. And I was like, yeah, but imagine if I go up, because there's all these catamarans that are parked up on the beach. I said, imagine if I go up and just ask the captain, hey, this is a story. This girl wants to reconnect with her grandfather. Would you mind taking us out for free? Um, and I did that on five different catamarans and five of them said, let's go. So it would have worked, but from a production point of view, I get it. Yeah. Anyway, so we get on this boat, we go out and she gets seasick. She vomits everywhere. She's like, in a, she's in a state. And, but I really wanted to see a turtle. And sure enough, funnily enough, as she's vomiting, finishing vomiting over the side of the boat, this giant bloody turtle pops up basically looks at her and winks as if it's her grandfather himself just saying I'm here. It was, it was so weird and amazing. And, uh, she just bursts out crying and I, I cried too on the episode, by the way. Yeah. Um, so it was real for us. <laughs> and then I see Jared and Chris, the two producers who are of course on the boat too, directing. I look behind and Jared points at Chris, like we did it. And Chris points back we got the moment type thing. So it was just, it's funny and understandable. Yeah, funny yeah, how, yeah. You know, the different take on the one moment type thing. <laughs> I, I love the uh, TV host diva coming out and you there. She, she's spewing her guts up in the back and you're like, we're finding some turtles. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was awesome. I mean, and then also like uh, where everything works out well, we, you know, we, we find the boat skipper, we go and do the turtle thing, mm. the experience of, of, you know, the cattle ranch, all these amazing things that we did. There was also some funny times where we, one girl wanted to, I think her name was Jackie, I think. She wanted to reconnect. She found out that she had Cherokee Indian blood uh, in her. I've said that in a way that makes it sound weird, but she was yeah. uh, Cherokee Indian. And uh, so we go to this like Cherokee Indian reserve for the day. So we can be taught by Cher traditional Cherokee Indians, how to, uh, you know, how to live, the, you know, the, the traditions of ax throwing, the this, the that. So we go there. This is, it was freezing. I can't remember where we were and uh, somewhere in the middle of America. And we go to this reserve and the, the, the Cherokee Indian leader turns up wearing essentially a suit and like it was just like, jared's like mate have you got traditional cherokee indian garb that you can wear and so he did he got changed into that and it all felt a little weird and then he's teaching us how to throw axes and he's he he's like teaching her how to do it this is what you do you look you point you throws so we're filming it the moment that he shows us he launches the axe and it misses the tree by about 10 feet so they had to use footage of me doing it because I somehow managed to hit the tree. Um, and then also th th we got taught how to make a traditional wood flute. So they, <laughs> oh my God, this is so funny. They had this like long, uh, like a, a long bit of wood that got turned into a flute, the, the traditional way of making it. So we're in this like little hut, big guy, Tommy. I think his name was Tommy, Tommy Wildcat. I think his name was. Right. So Tommy's there, big, big guy, big ponytail, like Cherokee Indian. And I'm like, oh, Tommy, thanks so much for showing us how to do this. It's going to be really meaningful. How do we start making a traditional um, Cherokee Indian uh, wood flute? And he, he goes, okay, so uh, I start with this, the bit of wood, and we're intrigued. And he goes, and then I get this. And he pulls out a power drill and <laughs> starts drilling into this bit of wood. And mate, honestly, I looked at the camera guy, Ali, he was brilliant. And he was, he was absolutely pissing himself. Everyone was laughing. And I, I don't know how I did it. It was the, it was the funniest moment by far of the whole show, because the whole filming of everything. Cause it was, it was ridiculous anyway. So uh, yeah. 
<laughs> it's amazing. Right, yeah. It's amazing. Just the image of the axe flying past the, the tree. What was his reaction when he missed? Well, he didn't seem surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's ever hit a tree with an axe. And we weren't that far away from it either. Um, that was a funny episode. Uh, but we got there, you know, and uh, you'd hope that Jackie, I, was her name Jackie? I, I, I feel bad. I can't remember her name, but I, I think at the end of the episode, she felt really great. You know, yeah. I stay friends with these people too. Like even sadly, Craig, cowboy Craig from before he, he's passed since yeah. I, I, I'm in, I'm in touch with his wife and we're trying to see how we can maybe do something as it, cause she's kind of has this ranch now by herself and can't look after it herself and so anyway there's opportunity to maybe do stuff there so again just going back to the authenticity of it it's great it's great yeah no absolutely do you still have your cowboy hat by the way i do yeah i got the cowboy hat i got the boots they're in a storage container in australia uh yeah i look nice well let's just very quickly tick number 69 Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it was great that was a check for me it was a check for lou and it was a it was a phenomenal experience, phenomenal. Yeah. Now, one of my favorite episodes that I've seen so far, and it was the first one we put up on YouTube, uh, was dancing at the Moulin Rouge. Now, it's it's one of my favorite episodes so far, just because of the ridiculous dancing you had to do. <laughs> and there is there is a a moment in it when you're practicing, uh, when you genuinely seem a tired. And then B, mildly pissed off that, that these uh, two dancers are putting you through your paces so, so hard. Because oh, yeah. they, they try and get you to do a finishing move that was just going to be impossible for you. Impossible. Where they do the like split in the air and then you have to do a, like go in a circle with Rebecca, who you're helping yeah. tick this off for. What was that experience like of going there? Like fun, you get to see the show the night before. Yeah. With a, with, a, with a glass of wine and enjoy that. And it's like, boom, boot camp. Here right. we go. <laughs> I don't know about pissed off, but I was certainly like, how, I mean, I can't do that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That move, it was a standing split where they, the two girls got together, um, put their hand around, that one, they put one hand around the other person's waist and then just lifted their other leg above their head. And yeah, I mean, you won't be surprised at this, but uh, I can't do that. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it was very funny. The, I mean, but just to talk about these experiences, uh, this girl wanted to, that was her dream, dance on the Moulin Rouge stage. They don't really let that happen. And somehow yeah. they allowed us to do it. So we get, and, and this was pretty much, the, the, yes, it was a little pre-produced and planned, but it was very much on the fly. We walk into the Moulin Rouge. Everyone knows that for, you know, the, the um, everyone knows that for the dancing. I, what kind of dancing is it? It's a complete tango? No. Can-can. Can-can. My God. Yeah. For the can-can. We walk in and there's probably... Because it's burlesque right? There's, you know, it's beautiful women yeah. and they're scantily clad. And we walk in there middle of the day and there's 30 of them, 30 women. And they, they're all, you know, they're all beautiful and talented. They're waiting. They're just lying on the stage waiting for us to go on. So it's intimidating for that reason. Uh, and then, yeah, two of them came and taught us how to dance. And sure enough, as you say, ridiculous outfits. I look like, uh, like blue, white, and red. I look, it, I just look odd and I can't dance. Uh, and then, you know, but we, we learn through the day and we, we do a performance in front of all of them at the end of the day. These experiences are, are priceless. priceless. Yeah. I can't even imagine, you know, as, as the girl who wanted to do it, she ended up crying, you know, at yeah. the end. A lot of these episodes, are, they are emotional, uh, but thoroughly embarrassing for me. There were, there were a couple of dancing ones and I, I failed on every single one. We had a flamenco episode in, uh, in Madrid, in Spain. 
and I had to stop halfway through and just apologize to the crowd uh, and then start again. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, what, another, another episode that's up at the moment, and like you say to these um, experiences that just wouldn't happen without, yeah. without kind of the TV show putting there is Adrienne and performing opera. Yeah. Uh, wh- let me check my notes, the venue of said I, opera, the Opera just... Nationale Durin. There you go. Strasbourg, yeah. France. And, yeah. and like you say, just she got to perform on stage. You got toured around the, the, the facility and put in wigs and everything else that get used for these epic operatic performances. I mean, that, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, it, truly nuts. We, we beautiful, old, I don't know how many, I'm just going to say it's centuries old, probably is, in Strasbourg, mm. incredibly beautiful little town. And yeah, she, she got like the whole get up, all the gear, and she performed to an empty theatre, but it made it more beautiful with the red silver seats. And again, I had a tear because she was so talented, this girl. Um, to, to even like, there was a guy, he's a, I can't remember his name, he was a gamer. And he kind of, his reality was through his games. He, he avoided reality as in the real world. Yeah. So we went and heard about him and we, his favorite game was his car racing game. Mm-hmm. And his favorite track was called the uh, fr- uh, Spa de Francochon. So the Formula mm-hmm. One track from Belgium. And his favorite car to race on this track in the game was this Nissan GTR thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not a car person. So yeah. this, this is the episode. I go in, I meet him. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Play the game. And I go, what's your number one dream? And he's like, well, I just love to, I'd love to race a Nissan GTR around the Belgian Formula One track. And we're like, let's do it. So we flew to Belgium and we raced his favorite car around the Formula One track. I mean, this is the sort of stuff that was happening. It was, it was so, yeah. when I say no one saw the episodes because it got taken off, um, you know, that, that, that thing was the, the, what was it? Uh, Go 90 got taken off air. I don't care. It was Go 90, yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, and one of, one of my uh, favorite ones, last favorite ones, and I'll ask you which one yours is, oh, yeah. uh, is, the, is the latest one we've just stuck up, which is you get to help Thomas, who served in Afghanistan, um, and was hit by an IED in 2010, massive injuries and lost his right leg as a result. And, and his dream was to learn to ski. Uh, and you hook up with the guys at Telluride, is it? Telluride, yeah. Yeah, and uh, an amazing, firstly, Thomas just seemed like an incredible person mm. of like the attitude of like, he was about to become a father. So he was like, I just want to, you know, do these things to show that nothing's impossible and, and an incredible sense of humor to go with, what he's been through what was that what was that one like to film because that had a different kind of an extra edge to it of like oh wow this is pretty incredible yeah for sure and even like chris and jared who i I, for the purpose of just joking around i've made to seem like just true businessmen who don't care they do like we all really wanted thomas to to stand at the end of the day Hmm. you imagine skiing with one leg like all that pressure i mean how i you know i don't think you or i could do it um but yeah, it was a Telluride adaptive service or something like that. I can't remember yeah. the name, but they, they, there was a guy called Skyhawk. It's his actual name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and someone else and the, who was awesome. And they helped, uh, yeah, they, they helped Thomas like go through the process of obviously taking off his prosthetic leg, giving him some sort of hand ski, um, uh, what are they called? Crutches. Uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, throughout the whole, we weren't sure he was going to do it. 
because it's hard. Like he, I mean, as you can imagine, and we weren't sure he was going to do it. And we just went, and at the very end of the day, again, after a full day of filming, this guy has lost a leg. He's been in war. He was a medic. He was a medic. So he helped people off the field who were injured. And uh, I say, as in the war field. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he trod on an ID, I think, and lost his leg. So th- this guy's not only dealing with like physical trauma, but like PTSD and like he was affected um, you know, mentally a lot. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So he got there. The last shot of the day was he, the light was going, we needed it to happen. And he stood up and just skied and it was unbelievable. It was just so good. So I'm with you. That maybe is one of my favorite episodes. Um, yeah. Is, is there any others that stick out for you? So, so that one, any others that you think, ah, either personal experience for you that yeah. you were like, I love doing that. Or yeah. that was just awesome to watch the other person go. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, that was great. The cattle drive was amazing because it was on my list too. Um, what else was there? We we went to um, we went to like a concentration camp in Germany uh, to reunite um, uh, a young girl and her father and take her to the place where her grandmother was to, actually escaped from. Um, but that there was uh, they have all these documents and a you know basically a library of history and her grandmother's name was mentioned in there so we surprised her and took her to the document that was framed where her grandmother you know they talk about her grandmother being the person who uh, had basically started dance groups for you know the Jewish community wow. in the, anyway so that was amazing um, what else was there I mean yeah there was skydiving I, I don't know I, I yeah I, I think probably my favorite ones have been mentioned and here's how silly it is. Cause there was 26 episodes. I, I can't even remember half of them. You know, we we faced a fastball from Brett Tomko to yeah. help a firefighter achieve his dream. That was great. The whole day I, Oh, this is a funny thing. We, we, so the way it's played out kind of in, in the, in the eyes of a producer, it's storyboarded. They know what they want. They know what mm-hmm. the episode looks like before it's shot. So the idea was, you know, we go out there, we both miss, we were both unable to hit these pitches. And at the end of the day, we both get a hit type thing. That was what he wanted. So I, I got the, the firefighter, lovely guy, Delot, I think his name was, yeah. um, could not swing a baseball bat. He was awful. Uh, and, uh, and I had never swung a baseball bat, but somehow I, I, I was all right. Anyway, I, <laughs> there was a bet to see, there was a bet to see whether I would hit it or not, like internally within the crew. Yeah. And I was confident I would. And finally I did. It wasn't at the end of the day. It was quite early. And I was so excited that I sprinted to first base and I dived across the plate. Cause I think I'd seen it in a movie or something. And, uh, and I stood up and I had dirt all down my white shirt and Jared came over and it was the only time he got angry with me as in like, not angry, but you know, he was disappointed. We ended up very close mates too. And he was like, you have no idea what you've just done. I have a story in my head. And because you're now dirty, it means that I can't shoot anything further with you without the dirt, which means the story, you know, it basically ruined the schedule of how he wanted things to happen. Because if I'm clean the whole time, he can put that footage at the beginning, at the end or whatever. But as soon as I have a dirty shirt, you know, he's got to explain why I've got a dirty shirt and what have you. So it was a good lesson for me. He was like, you've got to, you've got to listen to me because he did say, don't dive on the, he actually said, oh, right. if you okay. did, don't do anything stupid. And I did. I was so excited. Ali, the cameraman was like, dude, don't worry about it. I would have dived too. And I was like, yeah, thanks, Ali. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would have too. Oh man. We did stunt driving. That was a fun one. Um, did skydiving. Uh, I mean, we did, we did a lot of stuff. 
And, uh, you know, it's all stuff that until now, no one's ever really seen. Yeah, mate. Yeah, well, they are, they are up. We have seven up on YouTube at the moment. And I, not just because I uh, work with you and, and have the interest, but they are genuinely really entertaining, great little shows. And uh, hopefully we'll get the opportunity to do something similar in the future. As mate, we, 100%. Yeah. Mate. I think that there's such a, you know, this is probably a conversation we should have internally, but there's so much <laughs> scope for to, to, to do something sort of similar, but also quite different and make it genuinely authentic and interactive at the same time. Um, and let's talk. Well, about that. <laughs> well, just very quickly. I mean, look at just what's happened over this weekend with uh, the group we, we have in November at the moment who have created their list and now ticking them off. And we have Alex, originally from Germany, but now lives in Sydney. Who's the, what, what's the swim she's just done? Oh, the, uh, the, it's called the Bold and Beautiful Swim from Manly to Shelley Beach in Sydney's Northern Beaches. Phenomenal. Across the yeah. aquatic reserve, yeah. And said in, in our Slack group, she was like, if it wasn't for the, the support in the group, and that's not because of me and you, that's the other members of the group. She was like, I would never have done it. Crazy. And that's, you know, the, the, the lovely virtual COVID world that we live in at the moment of just the encouragement so when the world opens back up, you know, we'll be, we'll be unstoppable. Yeah, the stories are played. I mean, there was a shark alarm. She was about to jump in and there was a shark alarm before mm. she went in and still went in. I mean, good, good on her. Uh, yeah, from, you know, Shana, we, we, we managed to find a kidney donor for her and the operation hasn't happened yet. But yeah, stuff's all there. It's really happening. Uh, yeah. Which is, yeah. It's, anyway, I think getting that on TV would be amazing. So we'll see where it goes. But as far as the experiences we've had so far and certainly with that show and, and me doing that. Oh my God, I wouldn't change it for the world. That was phenomenal. Right, mate. Another episode, episode 16 of this podcast. Yes. Done. Yes. Thanks, Toddy. You're awesome. Cheers, mate. The 100 Things Podcast. Oh, what's on your list, yeah.